0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Good evening. Praise the Lord. God's uh, been speaking to me and I have the privilege of sharing with you tonight. Uh, Pastor Johnny, uh, Jesse and I, we we just want to tell you and Jamie that we we love you. Uh, We love this church. Uh, We love each and every one of you, this congregation. You guys are family to us. Uh, We've been here uh, nearly 10 years and uh, we're still growing and we're still going in Jesus' name. Uh, You know you may know me by now but i get to serve as the connections pastor here and um, it is a privilege to do that so thank you for that uh, opportunity to serve Uh, we're in the middle of a series called the summer of care And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and pick that up uh, from faithassembly.org. But it was a phenomenal panel that we had up here. Some experts, some local experts here that talked about mental health. And so um, this series is a powerful series. So I want to encourage you to stay on and stay in the whole series. Last week, we may have focused more on mental health. And today, it may be a little more on physical health. But what you hear tonight, you're going to hear really applies to all the facets of healing, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, uh, mental. And I just want you to know that God is a healer, and he wants to heal you. I want to share from a story from the book of Mark, and the reason I chose this topic and the The topic is healing and divine health. It's because I I believe that it honors the request to talk about the Sabbath tonight, but I also believe it honors how the Lord's been leading me to bring this message. And I also have to tell you that healing is a big part of my testimony, and I'm going to share a little bit of that tonight. It's a big part of who I am. From Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. And since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they were planning to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand up in front of everyone. Then he turned to the side to his critics and he asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this day a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer. Jesus looked at them angrily and was deeply saddened by the hardness of their heart. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored as whole. That's how one translation says it. I want to pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to anoint this word, for you have prepared it, and I pray now that you would give me the grace to deliver it. For Lord God, we know that Christ is the Savior of the world. He is the one who saves, he heals, he delivers. He is and shall be forevermore the one, the only, the true and righteous God, the branch of Jesse, you are like no other. And it is in that name that we come now to assemble and hear your word. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. 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 Well, this story speaks to me because I actually had an encounter with a man who had a withered or paralyzed hand. And it happened a few years ago at the University of South Florida. And I took a team of college students over to the campus to evangelize. And as I was going along and witnessing, and we were in this uh, open grass area, they call it the plaza, and we were paired up by twos, and the young man that I was with, his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan looked over, and he saw in the distance, about 50 yards or more, he saw a man limping across the plaza. And we couldn't see his condition exactly, but we knew there was something wrong with him. And Jonathan, being a new believer, full of faith, he says, let's go over and pray for him to be healed. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And before I could say, let's go, Jonathan ran. This young man, athletic, long legs, fast. He got there so fast, I finally caught up. And he's over there, he's talking to him. He's like, Jesus wants to heal you. I mean, he's just got got this faith. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus wants to heal you. And so we start witnessing. We start talking to him about the gospel and the, and the power of God comes over me and I, I say to him, stretch out your hand. Jesus is healing you. And here he is. It wasn't just that he had a limp, but he also had a shriveled hand. And when I, stre- I stretched out my hand like this, his hand went like this. And he was blown away Because his head went back like this, his eyeballs went white, and he was like, oh my God, right? And the thing about it was, is it stuck right there. Like, it was right there, and he he wasn't quite ready to shake my hand. And I was like, just grab my hand. And there was something that stuck. And we kept witnessing to him, and the Holy Spirit says to me, Ask him who he's praying to. So I asked him, who are you praying to? He says, I'm praying to Allah. I said, no, no, Jesus and Allah are not the same thing. He says, no, Jesus and Allah are the same thing. I said, no, Jesus and Allah are not the same thing. So we kind of go through the whole thing. And I say, we're praying to Jesus. Jesus wants to heal you. And he says, Jesus and Allah are the same thing. And the third time that he said that, That miracle was snuffed out so fast. If you want God's help, you've got to come to Jesus. Amen. I came to talk to you about divine health. Let me tell you what we call divine health or a definition that might help you. Divine health is living in a state of health or wholeness by the power of God divine healing is similar very similar divine healing is healing attributed to the direct agency of God both are God's plan and desire for you church can I get an amen that the Lord is Jehovah Rapha he heals you see I believe that All healing comes from God, whether by natural means or by supernatural means, all healing is God's work. It's his baby. It's his thing. He specializes in it. But when God is directly involved in the healing, it becomes divine healing. When our health is sustained directly by the power of God, health is not merely good health. It's divine health. I want you to consider now with me three ways that we come to God in order to receive anything. But tonight, my examples, my testimonies will be mostly in the area of health and particular physical health. Consider these three ways of coming to Jesus as stoplights. All three stoplights need to be green in order to get to where you want to be, which is to walk in divine health and be healed. The first I want to share with you is to practice common sense, to practice common sense. This is what it says from God's word in the contemporary English version from Proverbs chapter three, verse 21. My child, use common sense and sound judgment. Always keep them in mind. They will help you to live a long and beautiful life. I don't know about you, but I want to live a long and beautiful life. God's word says, sound judgment, common sense, and keep them in mind. You see, God expects us to use common sense. I know that's common sense. I mention common sense, though, because uh, sometimes we go to God in prayer and we're not operating in common sense. Sometimes we come to Jesus and we're ignoring the obvious. You know, Sometimes we just simply ignore the warning signs. Many problems, I believe, can be prevented, corrected, when we practice common sense. Um, have you ever run out of gas, fuel? You ever run out of gas? Just me? I, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you it's happened more than once to me. It happened not to... Uh, uh, it kind of happened recently, like three or four months ago. You'd think I'd grow up and learn to put gas in the car. It actually happened when I was coming back from Gainesville. I was visiting my sister, and um, I'm going down the road. I didn't get very far, and the car stalled. I didn't know what was wrong with it. I started going down the hill. I'm like, well, thank God I'm on a hill because I got some momentum, and thank god i'm looking around hey this is a pretty decent neighborhood it could be worse and i and I'm, I'm i'm like hey i got control of the vehicle i'm going to be able to pull over safely and i'm starting to think about you know oh where am i going to go to get help and wouldn't you know there was an auto parts store just a couple blocks away that i was able to drive up right next to the auto parts store and i was like praise the lord god is good I mean, I'm safe. I got the, I, I'm right next to the auto parts store. I go into the auto parts store. I'm like, hey, look, man, I got these car problems. It won't turn over. I don't know what's wrong with it. I start talking to the guys behind the counter. They start, you know, kind of trying to diagnose the problem with me. And, and, and they're stumped, and I'm stumped. And I'm like, well, if they're stumped, I'm in trouble right? And just about that time, the guy walks in, he's like, hey, he's a mechanic, maybe he can help us, right? So they're in on the problem, and now I got four people trying to talk through my problem, and the guy's like, well, I don't know, I don't know, I'm happy to go look at it, you know, I'm off the clock, but you know, it's it's dark, it's like seven o'clock, you know, it's December, so he comes out to the car, he's like, pop the hood, I said, pop the hood, you know, he starts looking at it, he starts asking me questions, he's like, turn, the, turn it over, and no, 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 and we're looking at it, he and you know, he's kind of scratching his head looking at the thing. And he's like, is there gas in the car? <laughs> now it was all coming back to me. I remember when I was driving on the highway, the gas light went on. And I was thinking, I'm running late. I just need to get there, Lord. I just need to get to my sister's house. I'll be okay, and then I'll get gas. And so I I too, I felt that that was God, that I got to the destination without having to stop for gas. But of course, I forgot how bone dry the gas tank was when I got back in it. You know, common sense, uh, (laughs) it can be funny when you don't have it. And common sense is so common though, so often heard, I think we can develop a deaf ear to it. In my case, I had developed a blind eye to it. How many times do you hear things like, eat the right foods, get more sleep, get some exercise, be a good steward of your body, visit the doctor, get your annual checkup, practice self-care, seek professional help when you need it. Common sense, even if it's common, is very valuable. Wouldn't you agree? Have you ever lost your keys or your glasses? Yeah, this, this, this happens to me also uh, with some frequency, that uh, my glasses that I'm looking for are actually on the top of my head. And the, gla- and the keys that I'm looking for are actually in my hand or in my pocket I think common sense is like that that it's right there it's it's in your mind it's on your head it's in your thoughts it's immediately accessible it's in your hand you have something that you can do with it it's already there to me that's exciting because many times God's will is not hard to figure out right it's right there in front of us. It's, it's obvious. Um, and I just want to tell you, whatever that might mean to you, God thinks you can do it. I think you can do it. I know you can do it. If you're thinking about it, it means you too think you can do it. Amen? This summer, one of the most caring, loving things that you could do for your family is to take care of yourself. Taking care of yourself doesn't mean me first. It means me too. The people in your life need you to be healthy. The people in your life want you to be healthy. They need that and want that because they love you. What's the common sense in our story? Coming back and looking at the man with a deformed hand Common sense tells us that no one could help him. My friend, sometimes the problem is too big. It's beyond all human reason and ability, and when that happens, we need to move on to the next stoplight. The second thing I want to share with you is practice divine wisdom. Common sense is not always good sense. That's why we need divine wisdom. The Word of God is the wisdom of God, so when we practice the Word of God, we are practicing divine wisdom. Isaiah 55 9 says this for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts one of those thoughts is the sabbath in the bible it says many times in referring to the sabbath remember the sabbath because we have a tendency to forget even the things that are important Chick-fil-A is well-known for being closed on Saturdays. It doesn't make sense to be closed one day a week. They could make more money. But they are now the third largest fast food chain, and they make more money per store than McDonald's and Starbucks combined. They are the highest-rated customer satisfaction fast food company, and they have the highest-rating for their employees in the fast food industry. Now, it's not just the Sabbath, but they decided to put God first. Now, how would one observe the Sabbath? I want to share a few things with you about the Sabbath. First of all, it says that we ought to rest. Let's see if we have that one there. One day a week. We'll start with that one. That's what I meant to say. But in the Old Testament, um, The Sabbath was the last day of the week, a Saturday, Friday night to Saturday night. But in the New Testament, Paul tells us, hey, be resolved in your own mind which day is more holy than other. And actually, Jesus says it goes further than that. I'm the true Sabbath. I'm the one that gives you true rest. And he says, make the Sabbath work for you. You are not made to religiously be obligated to some ritual or some practice But I made the Sabbath for your own good. So I know some people work on Saturday. I know some people work on Sunday. So where do you get your Sabbath? Well, the pastors here on staff, our Sabbath for many of us is Monday because that's our day off. But for me in my house, my wife and I choose Friday night to Saturday night because that's a night that she and I both can do it together. She doesn't work for the church. So Saturday is the best day because Sunday's a work day for me and Monday's a work day for her. So we choose that day. That's what works for us. In the Bible, it says work six days, not four. No, no jokes. No four-day work weeks. It's a, I'm, not, I'm not for six-day work weeks either, but here's the thing I want you to know. Most of us may work 40 hours a week or more. But when the Bible says to rest, all that non-paid work you're doing, that's work too. Like your college classes, your volunteer like anything that's, that's taken, like all the studies, all the laundry, all of the chores, all of the shuttling of the kids here and there, like you really need one day where you do nothing. And that day needs to be a 24-hour period. Hopefully, we'll get a couple more points there. You know, I thought that I could observe the Sabbath with eight days or eight hours over there and 16 hours over there, and I got my 24. I can tell you that doesn't work, and that's not true to form. You know, it takes, it takes a full 24 hours to let go of everything that you've been doing for the week. It's really the last, I find, the last four hours that are the most rewarding. You know that God uses rest to heal you? You ought to know that. We have to sleep. We have to rest every day. There's a daily rhythm for us as human beings to get rest. The body is recharging, rejuvenating, refueling, replenishing, rebuilding, repairing things from the day god designed your bodies with a daily rhythm but also with a weekly rhythm called the sabbath so we need to also rest once a week and it needs to be a 24-hour period and the other mark of the sabbath is to keep it holy i mean if you're out living for the devil on your sabbath that that really isn't the (laughs) sabbath okay uh and i think for all of us what that means is the sabbath ought to include worship And I think that's what it means, going to church, right? I I, I want to be straight with you. I think one of the reasons people don't come to church every week is because they don't observe the Sabbath every week. Because if they observe the Sabbath and were convicted about the Sabbath, coming to church would just flow right out of that. Yeah, I got quiet, I hear you. It also means being with family. It means enjoying your life, being with the people that you love. This summer, one of the most caring, loving things that we could do, that you could do, for your family, is to establish a family Sabbath. The Sabbath is God's wisdom to bring structure and sanctuary to your home. Imagine a home that is a little calmer, a little happier, a little on, more on the same page. A home that feels more like a sanctuary rather than a second job. How did the man with the paralyzed hand practice divine wisdom? We know this. He observed the Sabbath. He was in the synagogue. He was in the the church. And that's where he encountered Jesus. He put himself in a position to encounter Jesus. When you make a habit of putting yourself in position to encounter Jesus, when you Put yourself in a position of habitually practicing God's wisdom, not just the Sabbath, you put yourself in a position to walk in divine health and healing. Yes, I want to tell you that's exactly what Mary Kohler did and Rebecca Gonzalez. They had issues, and they have let me share this with you tonight. Back in 2020, Rebecca had a major stroke. And she made it her conviction to come to church. She couldn't walk. She could barely get here. Her husband made her come to church. She wanted to come, but she needed her husband. And I remember week after week, service after service, she would come with that walker. And one day somebody prayed for her and challenged her to go home without that walker. She took that challenge, he folded up the walker, and they walked out of here, and she's been walking ever since. Can I get an amen? And sister, I just want to tell you, by the Spirit of the Lord, he's not finished healing you. He's the author and perfecter of your faith and your miracle, in Jesus' name. Mary Kohler was healed just a few weeks ago. She was in a Bible study where they were having worship. And she let me share this. She was diagnosed 25 years ago with rheumatoid arthritis. And there she was for the first time in many years. She was dancing before the Lord. She hadn't been able to do that for years. She had happy feet for the Lord and she looked down. She's like, wow, I haven't been able to do that. So what do you do when you're uh, practicing common sense? Practicing divine wisdom and yet you're still waiting on a miracle, still waiting for a breakthrough, still waiting for deliverance, you practice divine faith. That's our third and final stoplight tonight. You practice divine faith. I haven't shared this publicly, maybe once in a smaller setting. 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with a fatal heart condition a thoracic aortic aneurysm, which is like a balloon on a tire. When it pops, she blows, it's all over. Doctors told me it had grown so fast and so large, we want to operate. Go home, get your house in order, schedule within the month. I got before the Lord. I cried before the Lord. Lord, why have you... Forsaken me, I have served you and I've been doing what you've been telling me to do. Why? It was a really dark chapter in my life. But as I I leaned in and prayed in and got before the Lord and sought his will and I saw the promises of God and his word, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper back to me, I will heal you without surgery. That was a tough challenge and decision Because I didn't have insurance at the time. And by the grace of God, doctors lined up to do the surgery for free. I too felt that that was a miracle. But God gave me faith by his mercy and compassion to believe anyway. I tell you tonight, God wanted me to share my infirmity with you that the power of God may be released into your life. Your trust and faith would be in that and not what I say. Can I get an amen? amen. The good story is this. I was born with a bicuspid valve, a tooth leaflet valve, which is the cause of the aneurysm. That is the root cause, congenital heart condition. Over the 12 years, the images that keep coming back, keep changing the story. For years, years and years, even before 12 years, my medical records say I have a bicuspid valve. Then they said it was a three leaflet valve, but they weren't willing to tell me. They made me actually wait two years to tell me that something had changed, because they didn't believe it. Then they told me that the three leaflet isn't really three leaflet, it's really kind of two, with two of them are fused. Then finally, in another year after that, they said, okay, it's really 3, but it's not functioning properly. It's not opening and closing properly. Then they said, oh, it looks like it's working properly, and it looks like the way it's supposed to, but we still want to operate. Since we're going to go in for the aneurysm, we might as well go in for the valve, right? And I'm like, I'm not a car, you know? Like, I don't want to change out the engine and the tubes. Come on. The last visit, the surgeon says, we should repair the aneurysm, but your valve is good. We don't need to touch that. My story, your story isn't finished. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to save your family, heal your marriages, whatever you are expecting from God. It's going to take divine faith, and you have that faith. You know why you have that faith? Because you have faith in Jesus. The same God that saves is the same God that heals. Divine faith is faith in Jesus. If you want God's help, you come to Jesus. Jesus isn't simply a prophet. He's more than a prophet. He's the son of God. He isn't the man upstairs. He's your best friend. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He isn't your buddy. He's your best friend. He isn't an advisor. He's the wonderful counselor. My friend, he isn't a consultant or a guru, he's the master. He isn't a doctor, he's the great physician. He isn't a pastor, he's the great shepherd. He's the savior of the world. There's no one like him, never has been, never will be. I know this. God answers prayers in the name of Jesus and in his name alone. This is divine faith. This is the faith that you and I practice. The second thing I'd like to share that I, I've been learning through this journey is God wants to heal you. The same God that forgives all your sins heals all your diseases. Psalm 102 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heal all your diseases. Why is it so much easier to believe that he can forgive all of the sins that he's already forgiven in your life and the ones that are to come, but then somehow we don't believe he's able to heal all of the diseases and injuries and health problems. Like even the ones that, that, that the doctors say can't be resolved or healed. Hey, maybe it can be managed, but it can't be fixed. My God is a fixer, not just a manager. Wherever Jesus went, he healed people. Luke 16, 19 says this the whole multitude sought to heal him, and power went out from him, and he healed them all. Actually, the only people that he didn't heal in the New Testament were those given to unbelief, those that refused to believe. He could not do many miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief, and the Pharisees, they refused to believe. In order to receive, you have to believe, right? You receive eternal salvation when you choose to believe. You receive it at that moment. Here's the thing, and I want to, I just want to be transparent with you. Have you ever had this thought, well, I know God wants to heal. I know God can heal me. I just don't know if he wants to heal me. I feel like that's one of the best lies the enemy has ever sowed into our mind. And I wrestled with that one. But I want to tell you that God is a healer. And I learned this. There's only one recorded instance in the New Testament where Jesus didn't heal someone that wanted to be healed. And that person was Paul. And Jesus gave him a very specific reason. It's quite possible that God wants to heal you in a way that you're not thinking of or in his timing and not yours. But if you feel like God isn't healing you, I think like Paul, you can find out. Just ask him. He'll give you divine wisdom and counsel and faith. This is what I want you to know. Until God says otherwise, he's saying to you, I want to heal you. I want to heal your relationships, Your mind your body your emotions he wants to help you that's his will that's his heart and one of the most caring loving things that you could do for yourself for your family for the people in your life is to embrace that one simple powerful truth that God wants to heal you the third and final thing that I'd like to share with you about practicing your faith is this do what Jesus says do whatever he says now some people have gone astray with this okay some people want to just practice whatever they think Jesus is telling them, whatever they want Jesus to tell them, whatever he, they want to hear, or what, everything that they're thinking they think is God. But here's, here's a litmus test for you. Divine faith will never lead you against divine wisdom. Divine faith will never lead you against God's will. But it might lead you against common sense. Is it common sense to ask someone to pick up their mat and walk when they're crippled? A the guy sitting here on the mat. Yo, I'm crippled. Don't you see me here? Didn't you see the people bring me over here and set me down? I mean, is it, is it common sense to ask a man to stretch out his hand when he's paralyzed? His hand is paralyzed. Hey, I was born this way. Why would you ask me to do something? Are you trying to make fun of me? No. This is divine faith in action. Whatever Jesus asks you to do will require faith. You'll have to put that faith into action. It might cause a little embarrassment. It might be inconvenient. It might be uncomfortable. It might seem downright unreasonable. But you should do it anyway. Coming back to Mark chapter 3 in our story, I just want to point out a couple things as we close. I'd like the, the, the band to come up if they could. The keys of Pastor John. And it says this. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Jesus said to the man, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. Jesus came into a crowded room. He saw the one with the need. He noticed him. God sees you. God knows you. Before you even came, he saw your need. He said to him, Come and stand in front of everyone. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to stand on the platform tonight. But another translation, it says, step forward. I'm going to invite you to step forward in a few minutes. To step out in faith and to believe that there's something, because there is something special happening in the altar tonight. You've got to step into the river. You've got to step into the flow. And then he said, hold out your hand i don't know if the lord is going to direct you to do something here tonight but i can tell you there's a really really good chance when you go home tonight and this week and the month and he's going to be asking you to take that faith and act it out and the bible says the man obeyed he followed through on jesus's words the bible says his hand was restored restored healing in his wings that anointing to heal to deliver and save is present tonight and i have a specific word to share with you tonight Um, on the way out we have these uh, healing scriptures it's a bookmarker so feel free to grab them on the way out but don't miss the altar but you can get that on the way out God woke me up twice and gave me this same verse. I don't know how God speaks to you, but he gives me chapter and verse. Sometimes he gives me the the exact page number out of my Bible or a Christian book. It speaks directly to my heart. And I wanna tell you, this word is for you. But specifically, you know who you are. You asked me to pray for you just last week to keep you in prayer. There were a few of you, but there was one of them, I think it was exactly a week ago. And I tell you this word, is for you. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? I can't think of anything more intimate than to bring a child into your bosom and to nurse it. What God is saying to his people in this is, I am unable to forget you. I see you, what you are passing through. I know you by name. You are my child and you are not forsaken. You are not forgotten. So tonight, I want you to believe again. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.